Ralph Lowe. I am the Director of Justice Ministries here at the Pittsburgh Presbytery, and this is... Brian Wallace. I'm the Associate Minister here at Pittsburgh Presbytery. And welcome to Awareness and Transformation, conversations about race, faith, and life. Brian, I'm just going to throw it out there. Yeah. And let's just talk about it. Let's go. Reverse. Reverse racism. Racism. Yeah. So um, in the response to, in a couple of responses, uh, and it was just a question. It wasn't, it wasn't actually a finger wagging. It was a, just a question. In our second segment, we talked about racist and anti-racist. And in that segment, um, someone, a couple people pointed out that what about if you're gonna call me racist because of my ideas and the things that I say and the things that I do, what about reverse yeah. racism? And I, I kind of wanted to start it out by start out by you giving me uh, an experience you had, uh, giving us an experience that you had, and kind of talking that through um, when it comes to reverse racism. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the first time I ever really thought about the idea of reverse racism, it was right before my junior year. It, it was actually in the midst of my junior year of college, because um, I had done some internships in the computer science world and decided it, it was time to uh, branch out and try my science background. My undergraduate degree was actually in physics. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the nice parts is that there's a lot of opportunities around the country to do research experience for undergraduates, they're called. And they're really great. Like, you go and you stay at a college campus and they like pay you on top of it. Um, so, they, so they like house you and pay you. They're fantastic. Sounds like a good program. It, and they're great. And you kind of get hands-on lab experience. Mm -hmm. And one of the challenges, just, just, to, just to explain why these are so important, Important is for a lot of the for a lot of uh, people who go to smaller colleges that aren't universities, they don't have the research labs that major universities do. And if you're going to go on and do science work and do research work, it, it's important to start building connections, relationships, and experiences of being in a lab. So what I'm hearing is this is an important it's an important thing, right? Yeah. It's an important if thing. If you're going to go into that yep. field, yeah. And I had not ruled out pursuing further studies mm -hmm. in physics, obviously. Jesus showed up. I ended up in seminary. And That's all, all sneaky story. Jesus. But, oh, man. But, but one of the things that I was um, like strongly considering was, okay, do I do a PhD in computational physics, which is as nerdy as it sounds, trust me. It does sound um, <laughs> So I looked at a lot of different programs, yeah. and across the board, every application had that phrase, women and minorities encouraged to apply. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of the first time I was like, I don't... I don't know how I feel about that. Mm -hmm. And specifically, like, I had a couple classmates of mine, and keep in mind, the majority of my classmates were guys. And it was Grove City College, so we were all white. But the majority were guys. But I saw a couple cases that summer where, like, like I saw some people get into a program yeah. that classmates of mine didn't get into. Mm -hmm. And, like, I actually didn't get into one program mm -hmm. that one of my classmates did. And I knew, because we've been in class together for two and a half years, I knew my quote-unquote qualifications were quote better than hers, mm -hmm. right? Like on paper, like on paper, on paper like yeah. my 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 grades were higher, mm -hmm. my background in this specific area of research mm -hmm. was stronger, and, and in the end, like I didn't really think of it in terms of reverse racism necessarily at the time, because everyone I was looking at was white, but I did think a little bit about it in terms of gender. I think for me, it wasn't something that I ended up being super concerned about because my like top choice yeah. I got. Yeah. Like the program I really wanted, if I'd gotten into all that I'd applied to, the one I really wanted, I got into. Yeah. 
So it's kind of like water, you know, okay, no big deal. But I noticed it. Yeah. And it's something I've heard from people. Yeah. Uh, and not uncommon in the science world to hear people complain about the fact that they have seen people who get on paper are not as quote unquote qualified, right? And we're being very careful how we use those terms yes. of on paper and qualified. And qualified, that's right. right. But using traditional standards, that's right. Maybe that's, uh, that's right. right. We're more qualified. Yes. Yes. Let's, Brian, you're just speaking to something that 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 our country has dealt with. There's some Supreme Court cases dealing yes. specifically University with of Texas admissions, right? With this, yep, this situation, right? With with uh, University of Michigan Law correct. School. Correct. Yeah, there's lots of examples. So this is a thing. So this this is a thing. So while you articulate that it necessarily didn't affect you in a, in a negative in that time. in that yeah. time, I could I what I hear what resonates with me is some individuals of European descent would say, hey, I've experienced reverse yeah. racism because I did not in in their thinking of what happened in the situation. I did not get this, I, this, is, this opportunity was taken away from me because I am not a person of color. That being said, Brian, is there reverse racism? No. No, there no. is not. There is not. So Brian, It is we're not gonna, a thing, it does not exist. It is not a thing, it does not exist. Now we're gonna- And instantly some of you just went, wait, what? Yes, oh my goodness. I, I know some of you actually just said, well, we're gonna turn this off right now <laughs> and move forward. So. I'll ask you to stay with us for a little while longer and hear us out. So, Brian, I'm gonna start with you. Yeah. And we're gonna talk a little bit about, just give us a little bit about yep. why there's not. And then I'll jump in after that because I think it's important to come from you yeah. about where, where yeah. that come. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what's really important, and this is something I had to learn, mm -hmm. by the way. Like this is not something that that I just inherently got. Mm -hmm. I had to learn this was the key difference between bias power and racism. And, racism. Mm -hmm. and the three are connected, but here's what you have to understand. Anybody can be biased against anybody. That's right. Bias, historically speaking, is considered kind of, kind of this neutral term, right? So if you say, but there are biases against white people, okay? That is true. That is very true. There are biases against white people. Mm -hmm. Fair enough, right? And by the way, another word for bias can also they end up, they are manifested as stereotypes, yes. right? Bias ends up being, yes. man, being manifested as stereotypes. But what's key to understand about racism, and we talked about this in one of our previous um, conversations, the dictionary definition of racism basically says a feeling of superiority right. from any race toward another. Toward another. Mm -hmm. And that's a dictionary definition, but the problem is that's not the definition that's kind of the working definition that you're gonna hear mm -hmm. or read about mm -hmm. when we talk about being anti-racist, right. dealing with you know, racism in the church, yeah. like, like those types of things, like that's not the way that term is used. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to talk about. Because yeah. if we're gonna do this well, yes. right? If we're gonna talk about, um, issues of race and bias and racism, we've got to understand what we're talking about. Yes, it's important to define, yes. Because part of, you know, you're almost done with seminary. Mm -hmm. I'm done, thank goodness. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that we learn in seminary is that we go to seminary to learn words, that we can say one word to replace a whole paragraph. That's right. Right? And then you graduate from seminary and then you have to unlearn all those words. Because when you start talking about the, eschatolo the eschatological reality yeah. of God's mm -hmm. forthcoming kingdom, mm -hmm. people have no idea what you're talking that's about. Right. But in a seminary setting, instantly everyone understands kind of what you're getting. That's right. So that's, that's why this is really important, right? For, like, for some of you at home, you might be like, what does this have to do with following Jesus? 
everything. Yeah. <laughs> because if you don't know how to use terms and words in conversation, then it's not going to accomplish the goals. That's right? right. And we've talked about how racial reconciliation and this understanding of, of learning the nuances about racial experience in the United States and globally, but, but specifically here, mm -hmm. like that is a critical element to Christian discipleship. Mm -hmm. If we're going to build strong communities, yeah. if we're going to learn to love one another, mm -hmm. then we have to talk about race. It's not an option. It's not. Okay, I'm off my soapbox, yeah. but, but, but I think that needs to be said over and over again. I agree. We're I agree. not talking about race as a sociological concept here. Here, that's right. We're that's talking right. about race as it relates to Christian discipleship. That's right. So you need to understand those terms. You need to understand like, what those things mean mm -hmm. and like, why we use certain terms. That's right. Okay, so okay. let's talk about this idea of bias now that I'm off my soapbox. Okay. Come back to this idea of bias, right? Anybody can have bias. Yeah. There are well-understood biases amongst racial groups that don't involve white people, mm -hmm. right? Uh, in the United States, mm -hmm. if we look at the LA riots, there were considerable questions about African-American and Asian. So, so bias is a thing that exists in every racial group all over the place. Mm -hmm. What makes bias versus racism different mm -hmm. is when you combine bias with power. That's right. That's right. And let's just talk about some facts, yes. right? Yeah. Here are facts. The first slaves were brought to this country in 1619. Mm -hmm. That is a fact, mm -hmm. right? If you don't like that, sorry, that's but just that, true. That is, that is true, okay? Right? And let's be as generous as, as we can. Uh, while the institution of slavery existed in many forms, it existed until the 1860s. It did. That is also a fact. That is also a fact. That's right. right. Juneteenth, we just celebrated it. Yes, we did. And let's also be very honest and say that even after that, mm -hmm. there were policies and patterns that were legal, mm -hmm. legal, separate but equal, mm -hmm. that, that enabled a system of racism to be codified into our laws. Mm -hmm. That up and until the 1960s That's right. was perfectly legal. Mm -hmm. Right? Even if you want to back up to 1954, Brown versus Board of Education, mm -hmm. these were legal policies mm -hmm. that were rooted in race. Mm -hmm. okay? So you can say, but a lot has changed since 1968. You can say that. And, I, and let's be honest, that's true. That's true. Right? Barack Obama doesn't get elected president in 1940. If, if there hasn't been change. Okay? Right. Yeah, right? yeah, you're right. So there, the, there is demonstrable change there is. that the face of race relations has shifted in the United States. That's right. And, that, and that's what I hear people say. Yeah. But, but we had a black president. Yes, we had a black president. <laughs> but by the way, it was the half-white son of a girl from Kansas. Mm -hmm. But yeah. still, right? But I think it's important that we understand that, that like that power doesn't get undone magically. Right. We can't just say, whoops, and erase from ni Genesis again, 1968. We can't erase 1968 to 1619 yeah. in one act of Congress. That's right. So you're right, Brian. You, you, you can't undo, basically what you're saying is, but you can't undo hundreds of years of oppression through one act of Congress, right. as you said, yeah. right? I mean, which is, you're, you're absolutely right. But if we are trying to undo, acknowledge and undo, the oppression of people of color over these hundreds of years, their action needs to be taken, mm -hmm. right? 
So in the scenario you gave where affirmative action, where um, you, you saw on the forms women and people of uh, individuals of color are encouraged to apply, yes. right? So let's just say, and you articulated that, you know, you weren't negatively affected by mm -hmm. what happened. So let's just say for um, our conversation that you were. So mm -hmm. Mr. Wallace, Mr. Brian Wallace had an experience where he knew for a fact, and we would acknowledge that Mr. Wallace knows for a fact that he was on paper, overqualified, highly ready and, and, and capable of doing whatever needs to be done in, in that field that you talked about, which I won't repeat by the way, cause you know, but was passed over because you were not a woman, and in our case, for our country, by race, mm -hmm. right. person of color, okay? Okay, so that being said, that feeling that may come with that is, I didn't get that because of the color of my skin, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Which sounds an awful lot like. Which just sounds an awful lot like reverse racism. It does. Okay, here's why it's not. And you said this already, I'm just gonna repeat this. Yeah. Brian, you named three things, you named, you said power. Yep. Uh, you talked about our history, and the third thing was um, was opportunity. Oppor yes, right? opportunity. There were other opportunities. There were other opportunities, yep. right? So I'll talk about power and lead into opportunity. Okay. Okay. What what, what Brian is what means by power is simply Mr. Wallace does not get this internship because of the color of his skin. Sounds like reverse racism. But we, what we forget in that scenario is Mr. Wallace has a boatload <laughs> of opportunities because of his, the color of his, skins, that, of his skin that the people of color do not. Now some of you listening may say, well can't they apply to the same positions? I say, can I jump in real, yeah, jump yeah. In, in real quick? So I think part of what people also have to understand is this idea of, of not only are there opportunities, but you feel comfortable going after them. I was, yeah, I was, yes, absolutely, absolutely. It's, it, it's a comfort level and a familiarity thing mm -hmm. that comes with it. It's not just, you know, yes, on paper, anyone can apply. So it's, listen, it's opportunities that are presented, you know, whether it's comfort level, whether yeah. it's, you know, that will be there for Mr. Walsh that will not be there for the people of color, plain and simple. In that, is attributed to the power that Mr. Wallace has in the skin of the, the color of his skin. Mm -hmm. Plain and simple. There's mm -hmm. no, you know, um, and if we don't recognize that in that scenario, because it's easy for us to take specific scenarios like Mr. Like Mr. Wallace and him not being able to get his internship because of the color of his skin, and say, see, that's reverse racism. But if we take it apart and understand that in that scenario, the power that Mr. Wallace has because of opportunities presented to him because of the color of his skin takes away that reverse racism that we throw right. out there. Plain and simple. Right. Okay. Because as Brian said earlier, for racism to exist, there is a superiority, but there's also power that's involved in that yeah. of the race, of, a, of, of, the, of the superior race, believing to be the superior race. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. I think it's also worth noting though too is that so we talk about bias mm -hmm. and we talk about bias plus power that equals racism mm -hmm. right and the question becomes 
for institutions of higher learning, mm -hmm. for employers, is wanting a more diverse group of people, mm -hmm. is that actually bias? Mm -hmm. Right? Or is it advantageous and favorable to encourage underrepresented groups to become more, more to, uh, to become better represented in those settings? Correct. Right. And what we're saying is, and I think, I hope this is what we're saying is, in our Christian response, the answer to that is yes. Yes, absolutely. Because it is more advantageous for the room to represent the world versus a, a particular race. In yeah. this case, when, when yeah. it, uh, 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 people of European descent. Um, and I think, and if I'm just being honest here as a person of color, I would rather a university, a, an employer, and all those in between who use the platform of women, in, in our case for our conversation, people of color, is, yeah. to make decisions based on who goes to their university or, in, or, or, or college, uh, who, who, uh, who is employed as a representation of the, of, of the whole world, as opposed to a room full of um, white individuals uh, to improve the quality, the sense of unity that we may have in this country. I, as a person of color, I think that's very important, Brian. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest with mm -hmm. you. Um, that being said, as a Christian, I think that's more important. Yeah. Because in those spaces where I am predominantly where people don't look like me, I have an opportunity to learn and understand and grow because of my conversations and relationships I have with those people who don't look like me. Yeah. And if I know that from my experiences, I know that experience will benefit other individuals in the same way. So if you are a, a white person, listen to this right now, the experience of having a person of color and a woman, because in, in your scenario, mm -hmm. sitting next to you in your internship, in your, in, in your job, uh, in uh, Institute of Learning, it, it increases your, your cultural awareness. It, it increases um, your, your, your Christian awareness as to loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and I think that's more important, actually, uh, than the previous thing that I stated. Um, Brian, you, you, we talked about power. We talked about the history uh, of, of people of color. Um, and we also talked about the availability, the opportunity that's presented uh, for uh, people of European descent, white people, um, mm -hmm. um, that people of color don't have. What would you say to those individuals right now? Because you talked about um, the correlation between uh, the, the, the discipleship um, as we are as Christians, uh, when it comes to these conversations about race and understanding and learning, okay? Um, because of our audience, Brian, I just want to say out loud, I don't buy it. I don't buy, mm -hmm. you articulated it very well, I'm glad you said it, uh, I appreciate that you, you brought that forth, but I don't buy it. I don't buy it that there is not reverse racism in this world, Brian, because I've experienced it, mm -hmm. I know it to be true, you guys are talking about one time, I can tell you three different situations where yeah. I know people who didn't get something because they were white. Yeah. And it's not fair. Ah, fair. It's not fair, Brian. Not fair. So, I'm gonna give my response to that. But I, I think it's 
important for you yeah. to talk about that. Yeah. My response to that is this. The fair word, <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't. The fair word is- I say you is, said the word. I, I did. You did. The fair word is something I said out loud because I've heard this before. Yeah. Okay. Let me say what's not fair. What's not fair is that we, as a country, have to have this affirmative action in order to have people of color come alongside and be a part of different organizations and employers and institutions. Because just think about this for a second. Why do we have to have affirmative action? Brian, I said this earlier, but I'm just gonna say it again. Because we are taking the steps to try to, roll back the oppression that has existed over these hundred years. Yeah. Now, while you may not agree with affirmative action for many different reasons, as we try to take steps to roll that back, to, to move past this oppression in this country, maybe we'll get it wrong, maybe we'll get it right. But think about the reasoning why we have to have them in the first place, right? So when you say fair, what's not fair is that we live in a country where people of color are oppressed in the fashion that we have to make laws in order for them to be included. That's not fair. That's not fair. Okay? It's not fair that we needed it's, a Voting Rights Act. It's not fair that we needed the Voting Rights Act in order to, for people of color to be counted in voting, which, is a, which in itself is supposed to be something that's given to all individuals who live in this country. Okay? That's not fair. I understand the feeling of those individuals who you feel like that they're not being treated fairly when they're not getting the opportunities that they wanted. But as I said earlier, there are other opportunities that are available yes. for people of European descent, white people that people of color do not have. So I'll just give you a quick example. I know that there is a position that I had in the secular world that I obtained because I had the equal skills of a person that is white, a white male, but I got the position because they believed that they needed to have somebody of color on their team as an employer, okay? Now, what's not fair is that I was turned down nine times before that from nine different other employers where I had above skills for the positions that I was applying for, but I was turned down because of the color of my skin. And I know some of you are saying, well, how do you know that? How do I know that? It's because I'm persistent enough to try to find out, because if anyone who's worth their weight in gold when they're applying for a position, you must find out why you didn't get, get the position yeah. if you want to be successful moving forward. Yep. So I always call back, why didn't I get the position? What happened? What can I do better moving forward? What happened in my interview that I didn't do well? And I'm telling you, nine times before that, now it's, it's over a 20 job interview period, right? But nine different times, there was no other reasoning besides the color of my skin, okay? So when we talk about fair, we can talk about fair. Okay, Brian? So I'm gonna- And in truth, and, and, go ahead. white people should not bring up the issue of fair. So, I'm glad you said that. That is not our moral high ground. Yeah. Right? Right. Like, that is not, that's not the moral high ground. I think the other thing that I, so, so, so this really came, came through to me was 
um, was thinking about like the opportunities I did have. Yeah. Right. And like, so I went to a, a you know, great school, mm -hmm. public school, mm -hmm. but great school uh, because I went to a great school and I had uh, strong economic resources. Mm -hmm. I bas basically could go to any college I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then so I, so I came out of this great school and went to college and then immediately set me on a path. Mm -hmm. Right. And one of the things that I thought even then, because I had friends who were persons of color in my high school. And I would talk to them and sometimes this would come up and they would say things like, well, what you have to understand is that I'm a lot more like you than my cousins are. Mm. My cousins don't get to go to this school. Mm -hmm. My cousins, you know, my dad, like, you know, he, like he managed to make it for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And my uncle, he didn't. Mm -hmm. Right. And there, but again, we have to keep looking back to what's the underlying That's causes right. behind those That's things, right. right? So even for, for the persons of color in my home school district, many of them, and also it holds true for, uh, you know, so living in Hampton Township, mm -hmm. the few persons of color who live in Hampton work for UPMC, they work for PPG, right? Like, like they're not necessarily broadly representative of the broader spectrum. Yes of racial disparity in yeah. this country. Yes. So if we want to talk about, about fair, let's talk about equal opportunities, yeah. right? Let's talk about, you know, n and not today, but why are schools funded by property taxes, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And why does that only continue to perpetuate models that are just in, like, if you want to talk it, about fair, let's talk about that. That's right. If that's every right. kid deserve, if all lives matter, does every kid deserve the same quality of education? Mm. My answer would be yes, but they don't but get they don't. it. We don't get it. They no. don't get it, nope. right? No. I mean, how many of us, myself included, identified a school district and said, we're going to live here because, because of the, of the schools. schools. That's right. Because we could. That's, That's right. not bad parenting. That's good parenting. That's good parenting. Right? That's right. That's not racist motivation, mm -hmm. but it does speak to an issue of access That's right. into educational institutions mm -hmm. and systems. That's right. The opportunity you have because of the color of your skin. Yes. Yes. Because of historical differences that have simply played out the way they have. Yep. I think the other thing, and, and this has come more clear to me, because our two kids could not be more different. Mm -hmm. And my son is, uh, is a theater nerd, he's mm -hmm. creative, he's not like me. Mm -hmm. My daughter is a science nerd, mm -hmm. right? She's a science and math nerd. And there's this concept of like, pull yourself up by, by your bootstraps oh, in this country, right? I hate that, Brian. To which the rhetoric can be, let's give people some bootstraps oh. if we're gonna ask them to pull it up. Oh. But let's talk about the concept of C1B1, mm. right? C1B1. and like. Like my daughter, like we watched Hidden Figures, mm -hmm. right? And my daughter suddenly was like, I could be a rocket scientist, right? Now Hidden Figures is an amazing movie. That's right. Talking about persons of color mm -hmm. who were brilliant, mm -hmm. right? But take out the fact that they were persons of color, the fact that they were female mm -hmm. opened up new eyes for my daughter That's to be right. like, oh, I could work for NASA, mm -hmm. right? And when we talk about giving people bootstraps to pull themselves up with, we have to open up doors for pioneers. Mm -hmm. And you've heard and I've heard the stories of pioneers who were the first, the first African-American woman ordained by Pittsburgh Presbyterian, mm -hmm. the first woman ordained by mm -hmm. Pittsburgh Presbyterian, these pioneering individuals who set the pattern for those who could come after them. Because the statement goes, you cannot be what you cannot see. Mm -hmm. And if people of color, if women do not see what they could be, mm -hmm. we're not giving people bootstraps. Right. We're not and, and convincing you know, people that they even could be. 
And you know what else we're not doing, Brian, my, but when you say bootstraps, we're not giving people the correct kind of bootstraps if we don't understand the history yes. that's involved for the yep. reasoning yes. behind why we need to give those people bootstraps. bootstraps right. You know, in yeah. this case, we're talking about people of color. Yeah. In other cases, we're talking about women, right? Yeah. And I know some people listening to that will say, you know, I worked hard in this country. Why can't they work hard too? And listen, I, I love you and I appreciate that sentiment. I really, really do. But if you still feel that way, I just look at the history. Yeah. Look at the history of people of color in this country. What we have had to, to come up against in oppression for, the, for hundreds of years, okay? Brian and I were having this conversation uh, actually earlier today about just the history of oppression of people of color in this country. So I tended to play a monopoly. Yeah, yeah. Right? So say we were playing Monopoly. So I, in this, only in this scenario, represent all people of color. And Brian, only in this scenario, represent all people of European descent. So we start the game, and the game lasts for hundreds of years. Okay. So, not, so if, we're, if it's a representation of America, right, whatever property I land on, what happens, Brian? I take it. You take it. Thank you for picking my cotton. That's it's right. right. Or building my, if you're living in the north, it was building. Building the textile yes. industries, working yes. in the factories, yes. all that kind of yes. stuff. Yes, yes, So hundreds of years this happens. And then, Brian, you know, three, three, four hundred years in, I guess it was around 1800s, I guess you say, you know what? I'm going to go allow you to have a little bit of credit. So me, representing the people of color, will we'll say, okay, great. So we start our neighborhoods around like railroads and people mm -hmm. were, where people could actually make some money. And that was the, yeah. the, the, the booming time in, in this country. And we established neighborhoods of people of color, thriving, black owned businesses, contributing to America, all those things. But then what happens, Brian? We, you notice that I'm starting to gain more property. Now, the property I have is Connecticut Avenue. It's not, it's it's not, not Boardwalk. It's not Boardwalk. It's not Boardwalk. But it's Connecticut. It's Baltimore Avenue. You know, that's on Monopoly Board, right? It's, but you notice that I'm starting to gain yeah. more property on yep. the board. So you, for whatever reason, while, whether it's, um, I think, in, in black neighborhoods, they were, they were burnt down for many reasons. Yeah. Okay. And I, that's another conversation. So they were burnt down for many. So we burned down those neighborhoods of color. Okay. On our monopoly board, what you're doing is you just smack all my houses and hotels off of my side of the board, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, you do that, and then we'll go back maybe 80, you know, um, 40, 50, 60 years, okay? 60s, okay? So that we come to that time and you say, you know what? That wasn't right. That wasn't right. right. I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done that. So we're going to extend credit. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna try to do the things moving forward that to to show that you are equal mm -hmm. in this country. But oh, by the way, Brian, even when we say we're gonna do that, when we roll, I'm not. You can't land on these properties over here, okay? Even though I know I said that, but you can't land on these properties to pick them up, okay? Not only that, Brian, you you can only land on the properties that. Some properties you already own, and you, you can't even pass go, you know? And not only that, you're gonna say, and we're not gonna 
land on your property is either to, to pay you. Right. This, uh, yeah. Yes. It, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. So, right. we're, so we're not going to, uh, Brian, when you roll, I, I'm not going to land on your property, as a, you know, on, on a monopoly board. So we're not going to land on it, right? So then that happens 60 years ago, we'll say. Yeah. So slowly but surely we progress a little bit. Okay. And then I start to really gain some momentum. Some hotels on my Baltimore Avenue, some my hotels on my Connecticut Avenue. So I make some real good inroads in that. But then you come to me and say, you know what? You didn't put hotels on this Baltimore on, on Baltic Avenue yet. So why don't you let me buy that from you? I'll put some hotels on that. You can still live there if you want to. Yeah. But I'll put some hotels on there and then we'll come we'll come together. And that's where gentrification comes in, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, we're still playing Monopoly now, right? Yeah. So then we come to, <laughs> to me, this is, this is detailed, but it's important to know, okay? So then we move into, we get a, um, we still get some more property, gentrification's happening, I didn't put enough hotels here or houses here, so Brian, you, you negotiate that you're gonna come in and buy some property there and you do all those things, right? But I'm still only playing on a third of the board, if that. Yeah. You own all the yeah, rest. Everything else. Everything else, right? Okay. If I'm playing by those rules for all these hundreds of years, okay, where's the fairness that happens yeah. well, in that scenario? And just to push, to push the monopoly analogy farther, at that point, game is over. Yeah. Yes. Like, I am always going to win. I'm yeah. always going to end up being ahead in that scenario. And why is that, Brian? Why, are, why is the game over at that point? Because, the, because there's so much history and the history has simply laid out these conditions that can't be overcome the way that so the way that made the most sense to me mm -hmm. to kind of grasp this and and um and really kind of come come to terms with it even kind of come to peace with mm -hmm. it was using an analogy from track mm. right everybody gets on the same starting line and runs the same 100 meter dash. Oh yeah. And what I love about track, here's what I love about track and what I love about sports like swimming. Man, there are no excuses. It is you, that lane, starting line, finish line, everyone runs the same race, the mm -hmm. wind's the same for everybody, the heat's the same, no excuses. Mm -hmm. And that's why, to be honest, sports like track have been one of the great equalizers mm -hmm. where we're like, oh, huh, this is interesting, mm -hmm. right? But if you think about life as a race, the idea that everyone starts at the same starting line is the fallacy. That's right. Right? Fairness, fairness is same starting line, same finish line, same conditions. Mm -hmm. Right? But that's not equity. What life is. That's right. Right? That's right. But, but that's not how life has been. That's right. In this country, like, we don't have everyone starting at the same starting that's right. line. That's right. And, well, that's true even, uh, look, it's across, right? There are white people who had more privilege than I did, who had access to better schools than I did. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's true. So even within racial groups, and there are some people of color who have tremendous access and have been wildly successful, right? But if we take that average, mm -hmm. there is an unmistakable so, racial impact. Say that again, take the average. Take the average, because take the median. Because many people will point to, well, this person made it, and then sure, this person, Will Smith. And, I, and I know that my, my cousins who are impoverished, you know, this has happened to them, right? Yeah. Okay, all right. But if you take the median and you take the average of these groups, there is simply no way to look at the evidence, right? The evidence is overwhelming that race is a very real factor. Mm -hmm.
in this country mm -hmm. still. Mm -hmm. So, right? So if you're saying, but Brian, in my life, I have been the victim of reverse racism because I didn't get partner at my law firm, mm. okay? Your single experience factors into that average, but it does not override it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's so important for people to realize is we've all had individual experiences and it doesn't mean that they're not real, but we need to step back and take a bigger picture. It's not all about us. Right. It's not all about our experience. Yeah. And we need to look at the overwhelming evidence that comes from a variety of sources that simply says that in this country, your success in a variety of fields mm -hmm. relates directly to your race. Yeah. And, and you know what that is, Brian? That's also, by doing that, by understanding what you just said, that is actually affirming a, a Christian response to race in this country mm. and race relations in this country. That is affirming a Christian response by actually looking into and understanding what you just articulated. And, and the evidence. And the evidence, right? yes. And, you know, so, so, so that's where I think, you know, to, to kind of bring this back, well, so when we say, why doesn't reverse racism mm -hmm. exist? It's because of those averages. That's right. Right? It's because of the averages. You cannot accuse somebody of being racist without that element of power. Right? right? With, That's right. And with that, as long as that differential is there, power it's and, not racism. It may be bias. It may be unfair It may bias, be unfair. Yeah. Right? It may be unfair. It, it may be, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. it may be stereotyping in the worst way. All that can happen. But it is not what we refer to and what has become the understanding of racism mm -hmm. as something that is much bigger and broader than just two people. Right. And for us to have good, healthy conversations about race in this country and in the church, mm -hmm. we have to understand racism as something that is much bigger and broader than our own personal attitudes yes. and feelings and experiences. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because, you know, like, would I say I am a defined identity-shaped racist? No. But do I harbor racist bias and assumption? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Have I learned things in my life that have been uncomfortable? Or have been like, oh, shoot, never realized that it probably had to do something with someone's race. Yes. And all those things, though, you've got to look at the totality, the big picture racism, mm -hmm. and not individual one-off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because I can sit here and say, well, Ralph's my friend. We, like we would do this, this goofy podcast together, of course I'm not racist. Mm -hmm. That's missing the point. That is missing the point. About that is missing the broader the point. history of racial disparity and diversity, and let's not even get into colonialism, and that's a whole, that's a other, whole, other, that's a whole other topic. Um, so, and I think, Brian, and we've talked a lot about you know, feelings and understandings when it comes to um, as, as we come alongside, as, as white people come alongside and, and, and support people of color. You know, I, I can't say this enough, I think I said this in the last, um, uh, our last video as well. You know, I, as a person of color, I get that you feel like you're a good person. I, yeah. I get that yeah. listening to this, you, you are, and I know that you are, I, I know that you are. Um, but what I'm saying here, and why Brian and I are talking about this is, you, you have to be better than just a good person. You, yeah. you have to do more than just being a good person. You have to know the history of this country. As a Christian response, you have to know the history of this country. And, and why affirmative action exists. Um, not individualized, but look at it globally, as Brian articulated. It is, it, it, it is so important. Because what you're doing in that instance is you're understanding the experience of people of color in this country. 
in many different areas, in many different ways, so that you can clearly come to your brothers and sisters in a way that Jesus has taught us to do, which is in love and affirming and in action. So Brian, as we close here and um, in this conversation about this, um, reverse racism, yeah. I wanted to close by asking a, a, a question and, um, and just making sure that, you know, for those individuals who are hearing this and, and it's resonating with them, you know, in a, in a way that maybe it didn't before, um, you know, what's their next step? What yeah. should they do? Some actionable. Um, um, so I'll speak um, as a person of color, what I would like uh, the next step to be, and then you can talk about um, what steps that you did yeah. uh, in your awareness um, as you move forward. So uh, as a person of color, what I would say to that is the next steps in understanding, um, you know, how there is no such thing as reverse racism. And in, in an understanding, allow yourself to be educated um, if you, if you truly want to learn um, the experience of people of color uh, in this country. Um, systemic racism is real, okay? Brian talked about the bi a bias that exists. There's a bias that exists between he and I, no matter what the color of our skin, our skin is. But when you add power to that, that's what equals the systemic racism, okay? As a response to that, we take these steps. Brian said earlier, the, the, uh, our government, our great nation of America has taken some steps, one of which is affirmative action, okay? Great, and there's other steps that have been taken that um, Sir Brian and I can talk about another time. As a person of color, what I'm saying is the step that I need you to take as a Christian is just to make sure you have the experience of people of color. While that's through education, relationships, through this video, it is important for you to continue to do those and have, those, have these conversations about race. Because in doing so, you are taking the, the actionable steps of love that we are required as Christians and as, uh, as one in the body of Christ. Um, so as a person of color, that will be my response to the question of what's an actionable step I can take as a person listening to this um, um, moving forward. And I will ask you, yeah. in your experience, um, um, what did you do? And, and maybe maybe a little more that you can give our audience about um, sure. as a response to that. So I think the biggest thing that I would say, because and, and this came home to me in I think the middle of our first video mm. that we were doing. Like in the middle of shooting, I had this like, this, this breakthrough realization is that I can knowingly suspend the history of race relations in this country mm. from my mind, and it doesn't impact me day to day. It doesn't. Like, like the heritage of slavery does not knowingly impact me to, to, day to day. I didn't say it doesn't benefit me. Calm down, I know some woke white people just like lost their mind when I said that. <laughs> but I don't have to think about that yeah. daily. It yeah. doesn't shape my reality. Mm -hmm. And the thing that you said is like, like you in that first video is you can't not be black in every situation, right? right? Like you can't not be black. And the truth is, is that like the racial history of our country is what it is, whether you know it or not. And if you choose, simply choose not to know it, well, 
like, I'm so, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for you, right? Like, like, because until you're willing to deal with it as a white person and realize what the racial history is and how it impacts our neighbors, mm. our neighbors, mm. right? Love your neighbor. Mm. There are African-American people who live in this county mm. who, that we call Pittsburgh, right? If you want to talk about the one great unifying thing, when I look at Heinz Field, I see a lot of racial diversity at Heinz Field, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're all united by black and gold, mm -hmm. except me, because I ain't a Steelers fan, <laughs> but right, even take that as a definition of community. Yeah. If you're not willing to learn the history and how it's impacted your brothers and sisters, I'm sorry, that's not an option if you call yourself a Jesus follower. Mm -hmm. It's just not. Mm -hmm. So it comes down to education, education, education. Some people don't like the phrase systemic racism. Fine, historic racism. Yeah. Right? If systemic racism, you go, well, I'm not sure about that, there's, fine. Then read the history. Yeah. Read the history books, like, and understand that, that the history, particularly if you're my age, mm. particularly if you're my age, like, the fact that Martin Luther King was a hero in our history books doesn't undo 1619 to 1968. That's right. It just doesn't, right? That's right. Like, just because we grew up in an era where Martin Luther King was a hero and, like, like we all heard the I Have a Dream speech and, like, oh, how great it is. It, that, that was a step, but it doesn't undo all that history. So what I would say is like, be a student of history. Like nothing, nothing for me was as significant as when I read about redlining. Mm. Mm. Like I just remember reading about redlining because like, like for me growing up, like I knew the home and home equity is the key to the American dream. Yeah. And when I learned about redlining, like, I remember hearing about that, like, well, black people couldn't live in certain neighborhoods. I was like, that's not true. Mm. Like, that's not true. And then you realize it's not true that they couldn't, but policies and financial policies were as such made it impossible that made it impossible for them to live right? in those You neighborhoods. couldn't get financing, you therefore you couldn't live that's right. there. That's right. right. Legally, you could live there, mm -hmm. but you couldn't get the financing. I just remember being like, that's By screwed the way, up. Only 60 years ago that, that Law came in part of the. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But so it's well, not yesterday. But it wasn't like, done away with until like 1978. Right. Like two years before I was born. Yeah. And you, and you were born, just yeah. to be clear. Yeah. I was. Yeah. <laughs> so you were born in 78. Yeah. I wasn't. Um, but just like, like, I remember realizing that and being like, that is screwed up. Yeah. Like, no wonder, mm -hmm. no wonder so many black families mm -hmm. in our culture haven't had a chance. That's right. That's right. Because they were. So, and again, but if you're not willing to learn that, if you're not willing to deal with that, and by the way, like, we'll talk about this later, like, don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty that you're white. Yes. That doesn't help. That does not, as a person of color, the, the worst thing you Please can don't do feel guilty. is feel guilty and then take action yeah. because that is not genuine or is that is not a Christ filled heart no. in action. No. That is not, I do not want a guilty, um, um, actionable. No, I, I don't want. Please, please don't. No. And we, Brian and I, will talk about that. Yes, um, yeah. probably in our in one of our next two videos. But I do not want you to act in no. guilt. I want you to act in love, in love. Uh, and inspired right. by the spirit through the education that Brian's talking about, uh, and knowledge and, and communication with your friends and family around you, and and if if possible with people of color who can give yep. you their experiences. Yep. Um, as usual, brother, I, I love this conversation. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. been great. Uh, I think our last two have been really insightful, and I look forward to the heavier yeah. conversation about, um, we're gonna talk about the police force and the police yeah. uh, uh, in, our next, in our next conversation and, and what that means. And we're also gonna talk about privilege. Yeah. 
uh, as well. So thank yeah. you very much, man. I will link the Phil Vischer video on the history of race in America. It's 18 minutes long. Mm -hmm. And if there's one thing that I, because I realized I never actually got to my actual step. I just mm -hmm. said educate. Yeah. Watch the Phil Vischer video. He's the guy behind VeggieTales and yeah. what's in the Bible. Mm -hmm. He is a unapologetic Christian. Mm -hmm. he, I, he addresses he it addresses through that it. lens. Yeah. Um, so that's the one thing that I would say is that if you're watching this and you haven't seen that, watch that. It's 18 minutes long. We watched it with our kids. Mm -hmm. Um, incredibly valuable, a great first step, a lot of history really fast. So oh, watch the television. I was going to say video. a lot of history really fast. So take the opportunity in, in, in that Christian response to pause, yeah. write and down, Google. and then Google. Yeah, and <laughs> because Google. that's the yep. best thing you can do. Yep. So thank you, brother. Take, I appreciate you. Thank man. you. All right.